0: One, two, three, four.
1: That I could be like fully popular or accepted as beautiful because I wasn't like a white blonde girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of my happy friends, especially when you're a teenager, we're all facing very similar, unfortunate thoughts of like, oh, cause I'm not like the typical beautiful girl that you see in like the Mean Girls movies or whatever. Like, and I don't look like her cause I'm literally a different race. I won't be popular. I won't be liked. Guys won't like me, all these things. So.
0: Welcome back to the Well Now Podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. I hope everyone's having a good week so far. I can't believe it's going to be October. Is it on Friday, October 1st? That's crazy to me. I swear it was just summer and now we're fully into fall. But luckily for me, October is one of my favorite months. I love the fall in Vancouver. I love Halloween, Thanksgiving. And I'm going out to visit my best friend, Jenna. Um, so that's going to be a really exciting month for me. And I just found out, so this platform called Later. So if you're in marketing, it's a huge... Um, marketing and social media platform and they featured me in their top 11 best social media marketing podcasts to listen to i was sh- so shocked they just you know sent me a damn. it's a pretty big instagram account And they're like oh by the way we featured you in our article i was like what me i record this at home and <laughs> this is not my full-time job and i'm next to like girl boss radio so if you know Um, That's a really big podcast and I was like, I was so honored to be featured on there, so thanks everyone for listening. I have no idea how they found it, but I'm really grateful that I was on that list. Anyways, today's guest is Anne. This was a really interesting conversation. So I know Anne through Justin, and Justin is my boss. He's a YouTuber, influencer, Um, you know, I work with his team. And I feel like this was a really different conversation for Anne because we focused a lot on mental health and the effects of social media, how that plays into insecurities and not tying your worth based on amount of likes, for example. And when we get more into mental health, we talk about anxiety and the power of saying no, being in group settings. So I really liked hearing her viewpoint on that. And of course, we talked more about her career, her inventions, where she sees her future, with acting as well. So let's get straight into the interview. I'm here with Anne Makosinski. Anne is a 23-year-old Filipino-Polish-Canadian inventor, global keynote speaker, and inspiring writer. She's best known for the invention of the hollow flashlight and the e-drink. Given so many TED Talks, she's been on Forbes 30 Under 30, Entrepreneurs Magazine's Young Millionaires and Glamour Magazine's College Woman of the Year. Um, she's recently completed her line of work of children's toys that run off green energy. She's also been on Jimmy Fallon, did a campaign with Miley Cyrus. Lots going on. She's We're around the same age and her resume is so impressive and she's an industry that I'm you know, not really familiar with. So I'm really excited to learn more about you, learn more about your story and what you've been up to. So thanks for coming on today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Okay, so I want to know about your childhood. You grew up in Victoria, correct?
1: Yes, I grew up in Victoria. Yeah. Um, I went to school here, everything. Um, my parents were immigrants. My dad had come from Poland um, and my mom had come from the Philippines. Well, my dad had lived in America previously a little bit. Um, but So I had a very interesting kind of mishmash of cultures growing up, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, oh, good. Because both my parents grew up without much they kind of had a similar mentality when it came to raising me which was if we give her less she'll actually be inspired to be more creative with what she does have um which probably is a lot of a very different mindset than most parents have nowadays when it comes to kids but i really appreciate that my parents did that so for example my first toy was a box of transistors and other random electronic parts and from there, because I wasn't given many toys, I would take my hot glue gun, garbage from around the house, trash and kind of piece together my very first toy slash inventions, which never worked. But this kind of idea of like, hey, if I can put together the resources around me, I can make something better or improve my situation, which was that of boredom as a child. Um, that was kind of just kind of ingrained very naturally.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I like like the mixed background. I'm also like so my mom, um, the family's French and my dad immigrated from Hong Kong. So that mix of cultures, I totally relate. You're happy too. I'm a happy happy. and it's it's so weird because like, for example, the French side is very um, you know vocal and loud and if we're not yelling at the dining room table then something's wrong like if people aren't yelling, <laughs> something wrong and then like on the Chinese side it's very like if I give a hug to like my grandma or grandpa it's just kind of awkward it's like they don't do that yeah. on that whole side so I can completely relate about that how did that affect you growing up mostly and going maybe into like college and high school having those mix of cultures well
1: it's interesting because like the schools that I went to at least for high school There's a surprising amount of other half Asian kids, which was really nice, honestly, but it never felt like that I could be like fully popular or accepted as beautiful because I wasn't like a white blonde girl. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of my happy friends, especially when you're a teenager, were all facing very similar unfortunate thoughts of like, oh, because I'm not like the typical beautiful girl that you see in like the mean girls movies or whatever like and i don't look like her because i'm literally a different race i won't be popular i won't be liked guys won't like me all these things so of course i eventually started and i'm still accepting my appearance and now i think especially the past couple years and moving to new york and meeting so many amazing different diverse people it really made me celebrate who i am instead of being like being like how can i how can I not stick out, you know? I think it's more cool to stick out and to to be different in that sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I never fully, unfortunately, ended up learning Polish or Tagalog because my parents only spoke English to each other. So, I mean, I would go to Polish school every Saturday, but all the other kids were, like, fully Polish um, and did not look like me. And I was like, oh, I don't fit in. And then I would, you know, go visit the Philippines and then I'd be like, oh, I don't fit in because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> look like exactly either but I think it's now really beautiful to celebrate that you don't fit in um and things like that uh but yeah I mean definitely and also both the cultures are I mean coming from both my parents side and their own experience growing up definitely more conservative uh lifestyle and uh atmosphere to grow up in um but that's okay I kind of like that and I kind of like that I was so naive and innocent until like grade twelve, I guess, because I had a childhood, and I don't think a lot of kids nowadays are getting the same kind of experience, which is fine. Of but of being like an innocent kid because they're with the internet and the access to information, which is amazing, but they're still growing up so fast and knowing about world events, like all these different things. Like sometimes it feels like no kid will really get to enjoy just being young and. Uninformed and yes. ex- exploring life that way. But, you know, things change and I'm sure there's a lot of advantages also to being a kid growing up in today's kind of technology ridden world.
0: Yeah. So I think I, sure? um, I agree with that. And I think Justin mentioned, I think he also had a TED talk about not having a smartphone um I assume that you have one now what was yep. did that make oh a- my god
1: literally the bane of my existence so many people will message me now and be like yeah how are you posting on instagram from your <laughs> flip phone and I'm like do you not understand I have a flip-? like I have a smartphone now and I needed yes. to get one like I really tried I didn't have a smartphone for so long yeah. I had a flip phone before the 2000s was a trend it's I cool. my flip- because it's cool because it's cool, cool now to have it. yeah <laughs> I painted my flip phone like with pink sparkly nail polish and blue nail polish. Cause I was like, this is cool. And nobody else yeah. thought it was cool but now everybody thinks it's cool. Let me just say, anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, and I had a flip phone but then when I started traveling so much and I wasn't living with my parents anymore my parents were like, your flip phone does not work in the middle of Vienna. Like, where are you? And Mm -hmm. I didn't have any internet or data. So my parents got very concerned. So I ended up getting a phone. And truly the main thing that was so convenient for me was Google Maps and being able to converse with people, especially when I was in foreign countries, because I used to travel so much before COVID um, to do speaking events or go to conferences, et cetera. And like, truly my parents would have been so concerned that I would have died or gotten kidnapped if it had been for a phone um so mm-hmm. unfortunately it was a necessity and I'm still every day struggling to have a healthier relationship with my phone but I do find it have like useful now as a tool um, but I think the phone was originally designed as a tool and now it's become such an easy way to access entertainment as well And I think we've kind of lost a healthy balance of that. Kind of, we struggle to find a balance with that. And that's something that I'm kind of looking for in myself constantly. Of like, what is a healthy use of my time on my phone? And what if I do want to take a break and watch a video or Instagram reels or whatever for a bit? How can I be conscious of what I'm doing and stop myself (laughs)
0: when it's Mm -hmm. too much? Yeah. So how do you, how do you feel with your relationship, particularly with social media? Because you have a platform, you know, you're able to use your platform for good, but then also it can be overwhelming being on social media. So how do you kind of balance that?
1: Totally. I think honestly, and hopefully this will happen in like a year's time, I'll be able to just have someone to touch my social, touch my socials. That sounds weird. (laughs) I'll have someone to do all my social media and I would never have to look at it again. That would be my optimum situation in my life. And I've said that for multiple years. I just haven't taken action on it because I don't want to hire someone at the moment because i need more money but yeah. <laughs> um i have found you know my main thing that i've been using is instagram and i do find that it is helpful in today's culture to have a presence unfortunately mm-hmm. or to have some sort of following even though mine's really tiny um because people will find you through that or contact you and i've gotten like speaking work or stuff like that from having a profile so i do think there is a benefit to having one. I think it's just what you share on it that is really important for your health and other people's mental health. And also my mom surveils my Instagram. So I would never, you know, post copious bikini pictures. And I don't necessarily <laughs> think that is a healthy way of sharing unless you want to, which is totally fine. But mm-hmm. what I, how I try to approach using Instagram is I post A, either work-related stuff or sponsored stuff, or B, things that I just enjoy and I'm like fanatically interested in, which usually ends up being a lot of like old dead Hollywood photos or videos or things like that. Cause I am really into that or three times that I feel cute mm-hmm. and want to share it. Otherwise I try to not post that much stuff just because it can get very overburdening. And even with posting in, within those three categories, there's still so much that goes on. And then I'm like, Oh my God this didn't get as many likes and da da But actually posting so many dead people and like random, very niche <laughs> film clips yes. and not getting a lot of likes has helped me overcome that and just be proud that I shared this moment of this person that's dead that I really love. Um, and I think that actually started for me back in middle school when I became obsessed with different dead people every year. So like mm-hmm. in grade six, I was obsessed with the magician, Harry Houdini who was Mm -hmm. alive mainly in like early 1900s was his heyday. Um, So none of my friends really understood who he was other than the name Houdini is so common now because of him. Um, And I had a picture of him on my agenda. I put him up all over my locker. I learned all his magic tricks, watched all his films, wrote all these books about him. And people would tease me so much for having this photo of a very intense looking Houdini on my agenda or like, who is that? Like, why is this old man on your cover? <laughs> but I think I stood up for my love for Houdini and who he was and why I thought he was cool. And that became almost a source of pride that I was proud to yeah. when I share things that I'm excited about and people aren't necessarily as excited about it or don't give as many likes. I'm kind of like, I I don't know, it it doesn't really matter to me in the same way that, Mm -hmm. or I'm not as hurt that they don't like it because it's something that I'm really passionate about and I feel so inclined to share it with the world um, because I'm so excited about it. It's definitely something I've struggled with. I've honestly hate to say this, but the main when I was like the most unhealthy using social media, I would just like if models popped up on my feed, like in the recommend thing. It was just block them because I just didn't want to see that and compare myself because I knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I try not to follow any like famous Instagram models because it's truly, it's so detrimental to myself and how I view myself. And then it also makes all women on social media feel well, like if I'm not posting photos like them and looking like them, I'm not going to be valued in society the same amount or men aren't going to give me attention the same amount and I think there's a lot of things that are very wrong with that even though like I grew up thinking oh well I have to post sexy photos of me or else nobody's going to care about me or give me attention Mm -hmm. and so now with Instagram models I just cannot follow any of them and I try not to look even though I always find myself spiraling and looking because I know that all I'm going to do is compare myself to them and then feel less worthy than them because I'm not posting content that they're posting and my body doesn't look like them, et cetera. But it's so hard because obviously so many men do give them attention on social media. So then it feels like even if I fought against that they would like nothing would really come out of that
0: so hey it's just me popping in and saying if you like this episode or you like this podcast please subscribe leave a review on apple Podcasts if you have the time follow me on instagram at well podcast almost every sundays i do these fun polls whether that's like this or that would you rather they're really random but it's always fun on a sunday night so make sure you head on over to my instagram to check it out now back to the interview
1: I don't know, I, this is a long tangent. I'm totally fine for people to post their bodies and whatever they want to post. Mm-hmm. I just think from my mental health, mm-hmm. I cannot indulge in the same way that they are or look at things like that because it's not good for me as a person. Everyone mm-hmm. is different. And then when it comes to posting online, Yes, I'll post some cute photos, but I, I definitely try to also post a lot about my work because, unfortunately, with the algorithm, they pay more attention to cute photos than your work. So it's like trying to find a balance of all of that.
0: It's, it's tough. Yeah. No, it's so tough. Yeah.
1: Brand, you can. No, 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 no
0: no. Yeah. no, no, no. I can, I can relate to that, and especially with mental health. And I think I saw that you posted about mental health a few years back about you know struggling with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if you're comfortable talking about that. How have you, you know, now that you're aware of what it feels like to have panic attacks or being anxious, how are you more proactive about that? Because I've, I often feel anxious and I've dealt with that. Um, and there's certain things that I do. So what do you do to keep kind of, what know, do you do? Um, well, for me, I like need to be outside if I'm super anxious. Like I just need to be out, need to go for a walk, need to be either with like a close friend or just talking about it for me. Cause I've you know, dealt with my own mental health and Bottling it in. That's what I used to do. Just kind of pushing it back was did not help at all. I would just kind of kind of blow up because I wouldn't address Mm -hmm. it. But for now, I just as soon as I'm feeling, um, you know, anxious or whatever, sad, I'll talk about it or, you know, go to a therapist. I constantly talk about and work on myself. But for you. Yeah. What do you do?
1: That's really interesting. I mean, I guess I should go outside more when I get
0: anxious. <laughs> I feel like
1: I just stay inside and do not leave. Yeah, I have like the opposite reaction. But honestly, being in Victoria this past month, I've been trying to go on walks every day, and it's been really nice and like mm-hmm. enjoy nature because in New York, there's like no nature worthy of West Coast. Yeah, when I get anxious, I usually it's because I'm at a bigger social event. I don't get anxious at conferences and like professional events and I think okay. that's because I'm so used to that since I was 15 and I know how to handle myself and present mm-hmm. myself and I actually really like that which now is non existence but I like that sort of networking. It would is the anxiousness for me actually only really happened after I moved to New York 2 years ago and started hanging out with like multiple like, larger groups of people, which I hadn't really done since high school. And I just, I think what I get really anxious about is feeling like, oh, well, if I say something, they probably won't hear it, which sounds ridiculous, or, like, it's not as funny, or, like, oh, I missed the time. I should have butted in and said it, but Mm -hmm. I didn't. And then sometimes when there's just so much people and so much noise, it's just really unpleasant for me, so I'll just leave, Um, which sometimes can appear slightly rude, but also I'm just, like, like I'll walk into a place that I came with friends and it's some weird art showing slash dance party in the middle of Brooklyn. And I'll be like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> then I'll just leave. Yeah. And I honestly feel a lot happier when I leave and I am go back to my place and I'm by myself or whatever. And I much prefer hanging out one-on-one or like with only one or two people versus a Mm -hmm. whole group because I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I get a quality interaction or it's not like the same experience and I don't get to have as an in-depth conversation if I'm with a large group of people unless I'm like truly shouting at someone for half the time (laughs) so you can't hear them but yeah I always found that I get most anxious when I'm with large groups of people or if it's something health related and I like think I'm dying even though I'm not that Mm -hmm. just started happening a lot after COVID and after I started getting these like random allergic reactions that would happen after I like ate and then exercised really vigorously right after. Okay. It's like the super random anaphylaxis allergy that you can get yes. as an adult, but hopefully knock on wood, it's going away because I haven't yes. had it for a couple of years. But yeah, I think the main ways I deal with it is just by mm. leaving and being like, and, and not forcing myself to stay in the situation. Because a lot mm. of times in New York, especially, I would be like, no, no, I'll just sit through this and like be silent in the corner. But at least I'm socializing and hanging out with this group. Mm -hmm. And I think now I kind of got to the point this past six months where I was like, I don't feel good here. So I'm going to leave and that's okay. Um, And so that was really helpful for me to acknowledge that I could be okay with not being okay, and then leave the situation or speak up about it. So those are the main times that I usually get anxious. I don't get anxious with public speaking or Mm -hmm. being in front of camera with any of that. If anything, I feel more at home there. So I think for some reason, it's when there's just large groups of people and Mm -hmm. crowds and noise and all of that. Maybe it's because I grew up on Victoria, which is like the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. Very interesting. And I want to talk a little bit more about what success means to you and feeling proud of yourself so when you invented the hollow flashlight after that are you the kind of person let's Mm -hmm. say with inventing are you do you stop and realize holy shit this is really cool or you're kind of like what's what's next so for you how do you measure your success doesn't have to be just inventing it'd be acting you know film whatever how do you when do you feel most like proud of yourself
1: I don't usually feel like successful honestly I usually Mm -hmm. feel like I have a lot more to do I kind of have an in Satiable appetite at least I suppose when it comes to my career and what I want to accomplish in life and I think I've always had that drive innately since I was a kid which is something I I don't know if I can explain well but it's just like that's always I always dreamt of having certain things in my life and and having a certain kind of career since I was like 10 and I was writing in my diary and I think you know Obviously, when, when we're that young and if we have diaries, we're like, oh, I want to be a superstar. I want to like be a famous singer like Britney Spears or like whatever. Not that I wanted to be that. Um, but a lot of times those dreams we have as kids is kind of crushed as we enter the adult slash teenager stage and as we get more realistic in a certain sense. And I think for me, my naivete has not left and I still kind of dream about these things and having these things that I've wanted since I was a kid. Um, so I, I mean, I'm really thankful for everything that has happened because it was truly I truly got so lucky, but I think I have a lot more still
0: to accomplish. Mm-hmm, very cool. So where, where do you hope to see yourself with your career? Because I know you have a passion for acting as well. Do you hope to intertwine those or what's kind of next for you? Well, what's next for
1: me right now is Mm -hmm. that I am finishing up my book pitch this week. And so we'll be going out soon to book publishers. I have a book agent now, which is something I did not have before. So that is really good. And it's kind of a book about kind of the combination of art and science and the different stereotypes um, that goes into people who pursue STEAM, which is science, Mm -hmm. tech, engineering, arts, and math, and why these stereotypes aren't always accurate and how they're detrimental. Uh, That I'm working on right now. And I definitely, I mean, my degree is in English literature, so I've always wanted to write and I love writing um, and storytelling. So that's one half. And then the other half right now is that um, I'm developing a TV show that I can't, um, I can't talk too much about it yet, but I'm super excited for everything that we've created thus far. And um, yes, it's kind of the perfect fit for me, again, having to deal with and it has to deal with the combination of art and science. And yeah, so I'm really excited for both of those. And probably in the next four or five months, I'll hopefully have some good news on both of those ends. Um, but I've truly never felt, I mean, I was always in a great or like... I always felt happy with my career in the past, but I don't think it ever felt like I was truly, truly doing what exactly I thought I should be doing or like innately felt a pull to. And now with these two projects on the table, I really feel that. So that's always like a nice feeling to have, to feel like I'm working towards a greater purpose and it's towards a purpose that
0: I've always wanted to fulfill. That's so exciting! I can't wait to see where that leads you. I think that's going to be a really fun. Thank (laughs) you. Me too. Um, And before we end it, I was hoping we could do a few rapid fire questions if you're cool with that. Yes. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, What is one of your favorite movies?
1: Oh God, I have so many favorite movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Top of my head, I mean, my top of my head favorite movie is always City Lights by Charlie Chaplin, which is from 19. Oh, my God. I can't be wrong when I say this. I think it's 1931, but I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, don't put in 1931. But so my favorite movie is City Lights (laughs) by Charlie Chaplin. Um, But I have many favorite movies, all from different decades. So it really depends, Mm -hmm. like, more of what decade
0: you ask. Okay, Okay. well, Um, we'll take that one. Yeah, that's a good answer. Okay. Um, if your life was a movie, what genre would it be and who would play you?
1: dramatic comedy yeah like a dramedy or a dark yeah. comedy who would play me um either like I'm trying to think someone who looks slightly similar like Rashida 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 Jones I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right yeah yeah um or Aubrey Plaza mm-hmm. I feel like those vibes
0: yeah. yeah I like it I like it um what's an item of yours that you can't live without um, I
1: cannot live out, you know, book and a pen in my purse at all times. So I can write things down or draw things.
0: Good, good answer. Um, what is your favorite book? My favorite book?
1: Oh God. Um, story wise, I would say the phantom tall booth by Nord and Jester. Since I was a kid, I would keep it under my pillow and I would read it every single night. So mm-hmm. that was a really special book, but there's so many amazing books that I'm just reading all
0: the time. So it's very hard to pick a favorite. Totally. When do you think you were most uh happiest in your life?
1: I was most happiest in my life, I'd say like last summer, which is very weird to say during COVID, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was I last summer was really wonderful for me and I was in a really wonderful relationship and mm-hmm. like we just had a really wonderful time together and mm-hmm. work was in my mind going forward. Who knew five months ago, five months after last summer, I would have to completely restart from ground zero and have a horrible time? But so last summer, before all that, while I was living in Oblivion,
0: it was really wonderful. Okay, love that. Um, What's one thing that you love about your job, and then one thing that you hate or dislike?
1: Oh gosh, my job—it's weird because I don't even know how to. When people ask, like, what do you do for work, I have like no idea how
0: to answer that in the first place (laughs) because there's so many um... different things. Yeah.
1: So many different things. Yeah. Like like Renaissance woman vibes. I have like no idea what to call myself. Um, (laughs) I think the most wonderful part of my job, at least before COVID was getting to travel everywhere, especially as a young person who had never traveled before and meet all these really inspiring, amazing people who were like experts in their fields and getting to really understand what they were like and what they were interested in. Um, so just traveling and having those new experiences, but now that no, that's happening, okay, it's fine. Um, and then the worst part of my job, I guess, is, the, is that I have to talk about myself a lot, which is totally fine. But a lot of the times with public speaking, it's the exact same story over and over mm-hmm. again, which mm-hmm. I'm totally happy to share because I know a lot of people get excited and inspired by it. But sometimes I'm like, I need to like add some pizzazz. Like I need to Make this more exciting for me.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. I can, but I, I love can.
1: speaking in general. So, yes. I'm very lucky to do that as a job.
0: Yes. Um, when do you feel most confident?
1: I feel most confident when I'm in Victoria at mm-hmm. home, wearing my overalls with no makeup on and like doing work, like writing or taking something apart or coming up with an idea. I think that's when i feel more confident or i think one of the times that i felt really happy and confident and i didn't fully process it was a few years ago during the summer i went on this like canadian expedition around the arctic for two weeks okay and we like sailed through the northwest passage and, dah, 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 and every, on a, on this icebreaker ship and then each day we would stop at a different location and we stopped at one of the very very small towns there and I was, we had some time alone. So I was just wandering around by myself with my like vlog camera and filming. Mm-hmm. And I just had this like incredibly amazing feeling walking around with my camera and like making a silly video. Like there was something so wonderful about that. And it felt
0: like that was what I wanted to do. So I guess that. Mm, thats Yeah, that's a really great answer. Um, and then last question, who are the three most influential people in your life that are alive?
1: Oh, oh, so many. Okay, well, my parents count as one category, so I'm saying my parents. God, um, Elvis Presley for mm-hmm. numerous reasons. And then I want to also add in, they're not blood related, but my auntie Sakanya and uncle Ravi um, that I was very lucky to know for my entire childhood because my dad was making, wanted to f- film this Indian sitar musician Ravi Shankar who like brought about the whole hippie movement was George Harrison back in the 60s. And I grew up with this interesting influx of Indian culture and music that was so beautiful. And both of them felt like my aunt and uncle and I still see my aunt a lot. Unfortunately, Rabbi G has passed away, but truly it was such a huge influence on my life that I think I'm still processing and they're just such
0: beautiful people. So those would be the third category, yeah. Wow all really good answers thank you so much for your time it was it was so great learning more about you thank you for just being open and honest about you know the realities and struggles of being like a young creator storyteller so i really appreciate that
1: totally thank you so much for having me and if they want to follow me on my social media my twitter and instagram handles are both just at ann makosinski that's too difficult for you to spell which it's not really but you can also look up andini A-N-D-I-N-I, and that should
0: come up my profile should come up
1: and yeah thank you so much for having me this was a
0: lot of fun and that was Anne. of course i have all her links in the show notes i hope you enjoyed this episode and i'll see you next week